Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Good evening, everyone. And I want to welcome everyone to another Bible study. Tonight's teaching is going to be called Without a War, the Warrior is Dead. Without a War, the Warrior is This is Dead. Now, in this case, for the Christian, it is the spiritual warfare. And, you know, I just want to say that this is, I believe, very, very relevant and very prevalent for, as a Christian, these times being in the spiritual warfare and going through and having battles and having conflict and having strife um, because we, we need this in our life. We really do as a Christian. Now, some people, they don't want to touch this. They don't want to even, you know, they don't even want to believe that the spiritual warfare is real. They don't want to get into the battle, even though, you know, the Bible is bathed in the blood of the prophets and in the disciples and in the men and women who brought the scripture that we have today forth. And so we really got to understand what this means because, you know, modern day Christianity, when you, when you get saved, because I still remember when I got saved, but uh, when you get saved, that's when really the spiritual warfare takes place. Actually, it starts, I think, right before you get saved. But I think who was it? Pastor Price uh, said something in one of his, uh, preachings or Bible studies or sermons not too long ago to say that um, you don't know what demons are until after you get saved. Before you get saved, you do, you have no idea what demons are. You have to actually be saved to be delivered from those demons. So the spiritual warfare actually begins then. And so once this happens, and I know it even happened for me, but once this happens in your life and you get saved and you come to the Lord, then you understand what the spiritual warfare is all about. Because I'm going to tell you guys, Derek already knows this about me. Um, but right after I got saved, I had these demons come into my apartment. These things were as big. I couldn't see them, but these things were as big as the roof. I could feel how big they were. And I was so terrified. Because I really did not know what demons were. I prayed myself to sleep. And I know that these things are real because one of them actually made like a sound. And I just got my cat in it too long before. And she actually turned in the direction of the demon of where the sound came from. And that terrified me even more. And so that's really, that's when the spiritual warfare began. And, you know, maybe some people today don't believe in demons. Maybe they're afraid of you know, believing in that, like, you know, some sort of like the boogeyman or something to that degree. But demons only have so much power anyways. Yes, they can be terrifying. Yes, they can be threatening, but they can't actually do anything. All they can do is kind of puff up on you, but they can't really do anything to you. But we have to understand that in this sport, spiritual warfare, in this fight that we are in, you know, if we really, really, truly and honestly want to be a Christian, we have to understand what it takes to be a Christian. And it means at times you're going to get 
you're going to get bloodied up spiritually by it. I mean, we have we have found this out in the especially I think more or less in the last couple of years, we have really found out, you know, especially in this ministry. And I know Gary Price and his ministry about what this spiritual warfare was taking place because, man, the pressure is getting hot and heavy to be a Christian nowadays. I have found this out on my own. I don't want to get too ahead of myself because we got some scriptures we want to cover tonight. I even got an article I want to read. Most definitely want to get into prayer. But one thing I do want to say first before we really get into anything is this, is that if we are not going through some sort of spiritual attack, I'm not saying it's going to happen all the time, but we have to really think about, you know, the disciples, they never really, when it talks about the disciples in the, in the New Testament and whatnot, and even the the, the the people that were persecuted before it was, uh, you know, made legal to be a Christian, these people never had a chance to relax you never heard about them relaxing you never heard about them taking a break and going on a picnic you never heard about them going to the mall and going to a movie you never heard about all this fun stuff that christians are having today so it makes you wonder what was so different about their walk as opposed to our walk today and it's been because of 1600 roughly 1600 years of persecution as christians as a whole as a whole not being persecuted Yes, there are still some countries today, like in China, Islamic countries, uh, even up in Canada, and it is coming to an America near us. But even in certain countries today, Christians are still being persecuted. They're being persecuted just for being a Christian. China today, as it's been reported, is actually trying to get rid of every single religion over there and make it 100% atheist country. So people that don't even believe in God, they believe in something else. They're trying to make that illegal. But the thing is, is that if Jesus Christ never existed, if the Bible was never true, if the disciples were never true, if none of that was ever true, why are being why are people being persecuted for the name of Jesus if he never existed? This is something we really got to think about in our minds. What what's going on to say, well, you know, we can't have. Well, why not? You know, you're not persecuted for Santa Claus. You're not persecuted for the Easter Bunny. You're not persecuted for Valentine's Day. You're not persecuted for anything but the name of Jesus. There's something about the name of Jesus. And we're going to cover this tonight as to why Christians in times of old were persecuted, why in other countries are persecuted, and why it's becoming today in America persecuted again. So we're going to get into that. But before we do, let's get into prayer. Let's praise the Lord. And ask for his hand of protection tonight, and uh, then we will go from there. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I want to come to you this evening. And I want to thank you, Lord God, for another day that you've given to us. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for this time, Lord Jesus. I want to thank you for your grace and for your love and for your mercy and for your long-suffering, Lord Jesus Christ, and just your patience upon us, Lord God, that we are going to give our lives over to you, Lord Jesus Christ, that we are going to be your children, the children of obedience and not disobedience, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that we are going to surrender our vessels to you, that you can get a work done in us, Lord Jesus Christ, because we are living, it is so obvious, Lord God, every single day we are living in the last days, Lord Jesus. These days are evil. These days are wicked. The love of many is waxing worse and worse, Lord Jesus, is waxing cold. And we have to understand, Lord Jesus Christ, the times that we're in. We have got to wake up. 
Lord God, because we are not living in a pleasant society, Lord Jesus Christ. We're truly seeing who our real friends are, Lord God, who are fellow brothers in Jesus Christ. And you truly are, Lord Jesus Christ, in these last days. And Lord God, we have got to be willing to walk our walk with you alone. If no one else in this world, Lord Jesus Christ, walks with us, we have to know that we are not alone because we have you, Lord Jesus Christ, and you are all you are everything, Lord Jesus. So be with this teaching tonight, Lord Jesus Christ. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Let it be your words that are spoken and not that of my own. Be with the listeners that are listening in, Lord Jesus Christ, that you touch their lives, Lord God. And if anyone is struggling with whatever they are struggling with, Lord Jesus Christ, that you touch them, that you convict them, Lord God, that they will change, Lord. Give us a hearing heart, Lord Jesus Christ, that we are willing to and able to change into the image, the image of Jesus Christ, Lord, because you are the only one that can set us free, Lord Jesus, of the wickedness that's within us. Search us and try us, Lord Jesus Christ. Show us the areas in our lives that are not like you, so we can give it up, give it to you, Lord Jesus Christ, and live a holy and just and righteous life after you, Lord God, in all and everything that we do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for all and everything that you've done. In Jesus Christ, your most holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So first of all, I do want to say that even though I have not watched this movie in quite some time, I actually did get the title of this movie from Rocky Four when Apollo was talking to Rocky and he was saying, without some war, the warrior might as well be dead. Now, you know, that movie, and of course, with several other movies, took references from the Bible to try and make a point. But what he was actually saying was true. Because if you were to see that movie, Rocky and Apollo were living in some lavish house, you know, really nice house, really nice things. And, you know, uh, and they had all this this material stuff. And so Apollo was basically looking at him like without the war, the warrior's dead. He's like, you got all this stuff that it could basically go to naught, you know. And so and that's the same thing for us as a Christian. We have to know that, yes, we may have, as it's been talked about before, we may have financial stability. We may have a nice place to live. You may have cars. You may have a husband or a wife. You may have children. You may send your children to the best schools that are out there. But it's all material. This is the matrix. And, you know, this is something I think really is relevant that should be continuously preached in every single message is that this is the matrix that we are living in. And none of this is even real. If we open up our eyes to see what the truth in Jesus Christ is, is that what's real is the spiritual realm. What's real is the spiritual warfare that we are involved in every single day, whether we want to be in it or not. We are involved in it. And I have found this out very recently. By, you know, putting some posts on Facebook and I'm going to talk about this tonight. I'm not going to mention any names, but I'm going to talk about this tonight as in, you know, there's a, a lot of stuff going on today about this seven year old boy in Texas whose mother wants to change him from a boy to a girl. Now, they had I guess it was roughly about between 11 to 13 jurors that uh, agreed with the mother. And by the way, the mother was a doctor. She's a doctor and a pediatrician in Texas. But one judge stood up and said, I need to check this out. Now, after these jurors had or these courts had ruled in favor of the mother to start already the uh, the stopping of him turning into a, a young man, into a, a teenager, into, into a man. Um, she had already dressing him up like a, a little girl, calling him Luna, sending him to school. And the other kids would call him Luna. You know, this sounds to me like lunatic. 
you know, Luna. Um, so basically, uh, and she had been teach she had been telling this boy since the age of three that he's a girl. Since the age of three, now we as Christians were called the brainwashers, but is it not brainwashing? And I'm trying not to get off the subject here. I'm just making a point. Is it not brainwashing for a mother to tell his son, her son, that he's a girl from the age of three? Is that not filling his head with something that's not true for her own agenda? And so now the boy, for the past four years, his mother has been telling him he's a girl. How is that not brainwashing? How is that not taking his choice away from him? I'm not saying that being a homosexual is right. We know it's an abomination because of what the scripture says of it. We know it's an abomination because in society today, all the prides that you see, all the pride rallies that you see, how they're dressing up little children, how the people look and how they are acting in these pride parades, that it is an abomination. Okay, so we have to understand this. And so um, I put on uh, on Facebook one of our other Bible studies about, you know, homosexuality and man, oh man, after that reposting, did I not come under fire from some people? And I defended what I believed in, but now people are starting to say, well, I think you're going crazy and we're worried about you. What are you doing? You know, how can you call homosexuality an abomination? Uh, because it goes against the word of God. That lifestyle goes against the word of God. And it starts from a very, very young age. Now, this is not the topic tonight, but I want everyone to have an understanding because we're going to be saying here in the near future, everyone who claims to be a Christian, who claims to stand for Jesus Christ, we are going to have to be willing to stand for what we believe and to understand why we're standing for what we believe. You can't just tell people this is what the Bible says. We have to know it for within our own selves. Because if you're putting stuff on Facebook, we got to be, and I'm not talking about arguing with people. I'm not talking about calling names with people. Stand for what you believe, but when the Lord tells you to stop, you stop. You know, if he tells you to say something to somebody, you do it. But when he says back away because, you know, this is about to not be of my spirit anymore, what's about to happen, then you do so. It's not being a coward. If you gave them all the information that the Bible says and they still don't want to hear it, do not continue on because at that time you're casting your pearls before swine. You go so far and let the chips fall where they may, but that's where it's at. But another thing too is this, is that our, our fight is not on Facebook. Yes, you put things on there and you stand for the word of God, but when people are directly in front of us, can we do that same thing? Can we have that same boldness? with the people that we're working with, with the people out in the streets, with the people at the grocery store, at the gas station. Can we still have that boldness? Because right now, as Christians, we're seeing that there are two different kinds of Christianity in this world today. And if you are under the real Christianity, which means you stand exactly for what everything in the Bible says, if you stand against the, the holidays, I mean, every single one of them, I'm talking about with the one of the most satanic coming up this at the end of this week. If you stand against that one, I mean, Christmas, Valentine's Day, if you stand against all of that and you stand on the truth of the word of God and you're not willing to compromise what you believe because of what the scripture says, you know, you're going to be called crazy. We're going to be called crazy. You know, we're going to have people look at us saying, man, 
what happened to this person? Now, an interesting thing is, is this, and then we're going to get into the scriptures here, is that something that Derek brought up some time ago was, you know, when you're living in the world, you got people saying, man, I, you know, they drink so much and they curse so much and they smoke so much. And man, we're going to pray for them that they stop doing that and give their lives to the Lord. You give your life to the Lord and all of a sudden you start living exactly what the Bible says. All of a sudden, where did I go wrong with them? <laughs> now they're crazy. So they were worried about you when you were a sinner. Now they're worried about you as you was now that you're a saint at the same time. Because unfortunately today, American Christianity is not the Christianity of the Bible. Not on a whole. You want to know what real Christianity is? Go to Pakistan, go to Afghanistan, and go to China. Because you will find out exactly what true Christianity is in those countries. But you might as well stay here. Because after this next election, we're either going to have a... I highly doubt Trump's going to be reelected. It's either going to be a woman or it's going to be a homosexual. And if it is a homosexual, and I, I'm not... Let me just say it. I honestly don't care if this offends anyone because we need to know about this. If it is the homo, an open, married homosexual that is elected, then he's not going first. He's not going to start out and say... Well, let's go and persecute the Christians. No, he's going to be very, very underhanded about it. He's going to be very, very sly about it because if he were to do that in the very beginning, then people would know what's up. But no, he's not going to do that. He's going to come out with peace and love and tolerance for everyone in the beginning. And this is how you know that spirit of Antichrist is on the scene right now because this election is a year from today, is a year from next month, is when the election happens. So we better spend the next year and getting serious for the Lord, because once this happens and if he is elected, because we don't elect our presidents, they're put in the office and our vote care less. You could put exactly. But if this happens, it is going to be a gradual process. But the gradual process is going to come across as they're going to have their own people called Christians. And these Christians are going to go around. They're going to start killing people. They're going to start, you know, having hate speeches on people because this kind of stuff is already happening. They're going to start doing all that kind of stuff. And what happens next? All the crazy Christians, all the crazy Christians are doing this. All the crazy Christians are doing that. Man, we got to lock these people up because we don't know who's saying and who's not saying. That's exactly what's going to happen next. And we've got to be ready for this. We have got to honestly be prepared in our hearts and our souls and our mind for what is to come. Please be called crazy now because one day they're not going to call you crazy. One day when this economy collapses and everything starts going bad and everything starts going wrong, they are not going to call you crazy. Noah, called, Noah was called crazy for 120 years until that rain started, until the, until the water started rising. Then all of a sudden, man, uh, we might want to get on the boat. It was too late then, you know. There have been so many people that, oh, you, you silly nut job, oh, you whack job, oh, you crazy this and you crazy that, until every single prophecy was fulfilled, then they did not call them crazy anymore. So that's what we got to understand. Don't worry about people calling you names. Don't worry about people walking out of your life. Stand on firm on the rock of Jesus Christ because he is our solid rock. All right, so the first scripture of the night is going to be, let's go to Second Chronicles. Chapter 20. 
in verse 1. 2 Chronicles 20 and 1. All right, Second Chronicles 20 and verse 1. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, Ammon and with them on the other side, the Ammonites came unto Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Je Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon, Tamar, which is in Engadi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered together themselves, gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now, right here, Jehoshaphat and, and Judah did exactly what each and every one of us are supposed to do when we feel like some sort of enemy attack is coming against us. We need to go and we need to seek the Lord. Because too many times, man, and I know because I have felt this in my own spirit when something was happening to me. What's the first thing we want to do? When something happens to us, oh, man, not again. I got a flat tire and I got to be to work in 20 minutes. <laughs> You're like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this is happening again. You look at your bank account and it's just like, oh, my goodness, what has happened here? When did that come out? And you know what? The first thing, that's the first thing that the flesh wants us to do is to get flustered. And to get frustrated. But, the you know, the Lord's showing me all the time, especially at work, because, man, that is when the attack on me, on me the heaviest is at work. It's very easy to get frustrated at that place. But the Lord wants me to come to him first. He wants me to say, stop getting frustrated over the fact that they're not bringing you totes in a timely fashion because I work at a production warehouse. Stop getting frustrated over this situation. Stop getting frustrated over that situation. You know, we've got to get all these kind of frustrations out of us before we, you know, meet with the Lord. And he wants to take them out of us. So the first thing that we have to do, and this is what the Lord's showing me every single day, not to get upset, not to get flustered, because he is going to make a way. I've, over the last several weeks, have either gone through car trouble, cat trouble, financial trouble, you know, friend trouble, all sorts of trouble. But these things need to happen to us because when it does happen to us, and I want to give another testimony tonight as well, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. But we do need to seek the Lord every single time these things start to happen to us. Every time we feel the enemies coming against us, the first thing that we need to do wherever we are is seek the Lord, because that's exactly what Jehoshaphat and Judah did. Verse five. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art thou not the God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of heaven? And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? 
Art thou not our God who who didst drive out the inhabitants this land of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? And they did dwell therein, and they built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee for our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and, and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, now how they reward us to come to cast us out of this of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have not might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. Those last few words right there are so very, very important. Our, but our eyes are upon thee. Jehoshaphat saying here right now, is like, oh Lord, wilt thou not judge them? For we have now no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. How many times have we thought within ourselves, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I trust you. That's pretty much what he's saying right here. It's like, Lord, I don't, we don't know what we're going to do. We don't have the power. We don't, we don't have the might. You know, we may have at times said, Lord, I don't have that much money in my bank account, but you know I need some gas to make it from here to there, or I don't have enough food in my cabinet. But I know you're going to make a way. And what does he do? All of a sudden, because we trust and we believe in the Lord, he makes a way. You may go outside and he, there goes 20 or $40 blowing in the wind right for you. You know, he may find a way. And I've even seen this even with, you know, my own fan, financial you know, situations. The Lord always makes a way. And we rejoice and stuff like that. But then a little voice comes to us and said, what? You're excited? Why are you excited? Why aren't you trusting me by now? You know, and these things happen and we get like a little kid or a little giddy at times when we should be trusting the Lord all the time. And it is a part of spiritual maturing. It is. I mean, there have been times I've left work early a few days and I go to check my, you know, get ready to check my pay stub and he added a few more dollars. It's <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> It was like, man, I don't know, but I'm not complaining. Thank you, Jesus. Because <laughs> it's like, I'm doing the math in my head. And he says, stop, stop trying to, you know, figure it out. I just put that money in there. So leave it alone. <laughs> but our eyes should be on the Lord. And that's what he's saying here. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. Then, uh, then upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Matana, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed, 
by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go you down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruah. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. So we have to understand here. Now, what he's saying there, I don't want anyone to misinterpret and say, well, when he's saying that the battle is not yours, but it's God's, that's not saying go sit down, have you know a cookie and watch some TV. That's not what it's saying at all. He did tell them to go out, did he not? Did he not say go out there and stand fast? So they still went out to the battle and they may even still had to fight, but the Lord got the victory. And that's the same thing in our spiritual life. Just because it says be of good courage, fear not, and everything doesn't mean you're just going to kick back and relax and not have to do anything. No, the Lord gets the victory. But guess what? We still got to be made right with the Lord. We still got to pray. We still got to fast. We still got to be encouraged. We still got to tell people about Jesus Christ. But when it's saying that God gets the victory, that means he's going to wrought a good work in us. That means he's going to send down the Holy Spirit and speak through us that people get saved. That's what that's talking about. Let's not get it twisted and say, oh, man, means I can sit back and watch my favorite TV show. No, it does not. <laughs> we still got to be participants. Amen. Exactly. All right. So if there's nothing else or no one has anything, let's go to Joshua 1 in verse 1. But I do want to give a testimony of a hallelujah. Because, uh, you know, I've, it seems like for everyone that's a true believer, man, we are going to the attacks lately. And but that's a good thing. We need these things. We need these battles in our life. And I honestly believe that if we're a Christian, if we say that we're a Christian and we're not going through any kind of spiritual warfare at all, we may want to check our Christianity and see if it's actually going along with scripture. And I'm not trying to downplay anybody when I'm saying that, but we do have to come under spiritual attack in our Christian walk because the closer and closer we get to the Lord, we get on the devil, the devil's radar. And once we get on his radar, you don't, I mean, we're, we're not going to get off of it unless he beats us off of it, but we can't let us, we cannot let him beat us down, nor can we let him beat us up. And we have to praise the Lord and say, hallelujah, anyhow. And I'm going to give you a testimony as to why. I think it was Friday. I was at work and I got on the subject with somebody at work um, about alcohol because I used to drink. And uh, one lady was like, you know, well, how do you become an alcoholic? I said, you don't want to be one. I was like, when I was an alcoholic, I was a very depressed person. It's like, and I did not have the strength and the strong will to give it up. It's like, it was only through Jesus Christ that I actually stopped drinking it. And she's like, really? And I could tell she was being a little on the cynical side at first, but then she started listening. And she's like, so what happened? Did Jesus come down and talk to you? I said, in a way, yes. And she's like, well, I want to know what happened. And I gave her my testimony. I was able to give her my testimony about how the Lord saved me six years ago. And she was actually listening to what I was saying. 
Now, this was someone for the past two years, always been in their own world, never wanted to talk about anything that was scary in life, uh, always in a bubble. And I thought, man, this was going to be a tough case. But I've been praying about it and I've been praying about it. And the Lord made a way and he opened that door. And so with everything that's going on, that's the joy in speaking the truth. That's the joy in letting people know wherever you are, I'm a Christian and this is why. Because eventually you're going to be you're going to be talking to that least expected person, as we've said before. It is going to be the least expected people that want to come to know Jesus. It's going to be the ones that half the time are arguing with you over something. They don't want to hear about it. And then you give it a couple of years and all of a sudden they're, they're talking to you about it. That, you know, that length of time for them to come to know, because we live in a society today of tablets, iPads, you know, perverse TV shows. There's so much perversion. Money is your God. Um, you know, no one trusts anyone. No one loves anyone, actually loves anyone anymore. All that's in our society today. So you've got a lot to break through before some people will come to know Jesus, especially if they're just caught up in themselves. If their whole goal in life is them, you've got a lot you need to break through because all they are concerned about is their well-being. All they are concerned about is how much money they're making because that is their God. And so if you start talking to someone and it seems like they're standoffish or they don't want to do it, don't pressure them to do it unless the Lord tells you to. But don't pressure them to say, okay, they'll come when they're ready. They'll come in their own time. You know, unless the Lord says they don't have much more time, you need to talk to them now. But I never thought that that person was someone who actually would listen to me give my testimony. And they were very attentive and they said, you know what, I want to know more. So in a, in a hopefully in the very near future, I'll get that another opportunity. Man, man I was bebopping down the aisles after that. That was joy to me, <laughs> you know, because that out of everything that we go through in life, that is the joy in, in the persecutions that we go through. Because the Lord, we may pray and I know we have, Lord, you've got to show me. Please show me that I'm bearing fruit in at work or wherever I'm at. Please show me, Lord Jesus Christ, that I'm doing your will. And he will. If we're doing his will in our certain places, he will actually show you this is what you're doing. People will start talking to you about it. All right. So we just got to keep going. So from here, let's go to uh, yeah, Joshua 1 and verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, uh, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I give to them, even the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not be any man, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to go with. To give them 
Now we got to understand here that this is 40 years later. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. All right. Now, had they done this 40 years ago, they wouldn't have had to wander around in the wilderness. But the Lord's saying here, be strong and of a good courage. Because what happened 40 years ago? They saw the giants and they were not ready to go into the land. Now, God had just delivered them out of the hands of Pharaoh. He just taken them through, you know, the Red Sea. He kept them safe and he kept them protected. But as it is said before, there's going to come a time even in our own life that God's going to do certain things for us. But when we come to those giants, the Lord's there. But now he's going to work through us to get rid of those giants that are in our life. So there is going to come a time. The Lord isn't going to sit there and do every single thing for us. You know, I actually brought this up to someone. I think I was talking to my nephew earlier this morning before work. And um, and I was saying unto him is that. My train of, anyways, I'll move on and maybe don't come back. <laughs> oh, now we're okay. So, uh, excuse me. Sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second. But. Uh, you know how when a parent has a child, the parent is going to, when the child is before the age of knowing what they're doing and they're trying to teach them right and wrong, the parent's going to say, no, don't do that. Pull the child away. No, don't do this. Don't do that. Because it's, the parent knows best for the children, right? The children don't know anything. They're just, you know, trying to figure stuff out. But after a while, when the parent has told the child enough, I'm going to use the light socket because that seems to be the best example to use. When the parent tells the child, don't stick your finger in the light socket. Don't pull the TV on your head. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't stand up on that chair. You could fall down. Eventually, the child has to learn why not. And sometimes, even though it may hurt the parent to do so, and I'm pretty sure it does, they're going to have to let the child learn the hard way. They may have to. Let the child stick their finger in the light socket to get a little shock on their finger. Ow, that hurt. Yeah, that's why I told you not to do it. Because <laughs> it hurts. And I'm protecting you from that hurt. And the same thing happens to us with the Lord. He walks with us when we first get saved. Because I remember when I first got saved, the Lord was taking things out of my life. And he was protecting me from a lot of things. But there came a time in my walk with the Lord. He expected me to start trusting him. And now, even though he's walking with me, he lets my hand go a little bit. I want you to walk on your own. I'm here. I'm still God. I'm still Jesus. I'm still protecting you. But you have to walk on your own a little bit because as it is a maturing process, as we are born again, as we start crawling to walking to running and all of that, you know, the training wheels got to start coming off. We have got to start riding that bicycle for ourselves in, in, in this walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have got to start walking and running with, with God still there. I'm not saying that he's not there, but we've got to be willing to stand on our own with this. And trust me, there have been a many a times I have fallen down. There have been many times that, you know, the Lord had to back his hands away from me because I was going back into the world. There's been many a times he's had to discipline me. Because he loves me as a, as a parent does do to their children. If a parent truly loves their child, they will discipline them when they do something wrong. But they're also going to do something else. This is also what a good parent does to their children. Not only do they discipline and say, no, don't do that. But they explain to them why. 
this is why you should not do this because in the long run if you continue to live this life the only road is going to be pain and hurt and destruction and bitterness and anger and you name it if you go down that road and that's what the lord does for us he doesn't just discipline and that's it no he said you're hurting me this hurts our walk I can't fully work in you when you're when you're going back into the world, when you're compromising your relationship over, you know, feeling secure or loved by somebody. You know, I say this and I truly mean it to be true. The devil will make everyone in this world a Christian to get us off of off track with our walk with the Lord. He'll make everybody a Christian. Some people are like, well, how is that possible? Doesn't a Christian do this, that and the other? Man, everyone's a Oprah's a Christian today. Every person's a Christian today. You know what? Kanye West is a Christian today. Justin Bieber's a Christian today. I mean, so many people claim to be Christians, but they're not walking in accordance to what God's word says. So that's why I'm saying the devil will make everyone a Christian. That guy looks good to you. He's a Christian. That girl looks good to you. She's a Christian. He will make everybody. He will make everyone a church-going, Bible-reading Christian just to get you off the path of the Lord. And what happens next, man? Woo! <laughs> you end up in trouble because <laughs> we're not secure in the Lord. We're not right in the Lord. All right. Um, verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not, turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make, for then, Thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. So if we want to be prosperous, be prosperous in the Lord. That's not talking about prosperity doctrine. That's not talking about having your best life now and all the riches of this, of this world now. No, we need to be prosperous in the Lord Jesus Christ. Be rich in the Lord. Be full of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have our riches laid up in heaven. That way we can do the Lord's will. May the Lord give us financial breakthroughs at time that we can help others and not ourselves. Yes, absolutely. But we got to trust the Lord with everything that he gives us. We got to know what his will is in every single thing that we do. But what he's saying here is being strong and of a good courage strong and of a good courage so if we're going to walk with the lord what do we have to be we got to be courageous because one of the people that goes into the lake of the in the lake of fire is the coward so we can't afford to be a coward in our walk with the lord because if we are if we're cowards in the lord that means we can't stand up we we can't when someone comes to us and say well i don't believe in the scriptures i don't believe in the bible i don't afraid but also as a coward, another thing that we're going to do is we're going to go along to get along. We're going to say, well, I don't want to offend this person, and I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do that. Jesus Christ didn't come to not be offensive. The truth is always going to offend somebody. 
that is just life, period. You know, even if it's not the Bible and you're just talking to people and you tell them the truth and say, you know, I really don't like the way you're doing something. Let's say work, for example. Um, Let's say you're a supervisor because I have been in the times past and you got to discipline somebody. Now, you're not doing this out of your own opinion. You're doing this according to what the rules and regulations of the job are set up and they're not abiding by those rules. So they got to be written up for it. And you as the, you know, supervisor over them have got to do the job. Is it always a pleasant, it's never a pleasant experience to write somebody up. It never was for me, but you had to do it. Why? Because I could get in trouble if I didn't write them up for not going in accordance to what the rules were set out at that time. And I had to do it. You know, there were some people that got upset. Well, I didn't do this and I didn't do that. And you have no proof. I got a plethora of proof. I got all the evidence sit right here in front of me that this is exactly what was happening in accordance to such and such and the policies and whatnot. You you're going to have to get written up for it and you have to change. You can't keep going this way. And that that was the truth. I was not lying to them as a supervisor. You're not lying to them. You're just saying this according to company policy. You know, you're supposed to be doing this, but you're actually doing this. And, you know, we've given you ample opportunity to stop doing it. We've warned you. We've talked to you and you don't. So now a write up has to happen. If that's the truth, they're they're not going to like it. They may, some people may even, you know, slam the door, walk out, get mad, get hot headed or whatever, but you're giving them the truth. You're also not just writing them up, but you're giving a, you're giving them a chance to change. You're giving them a chance not to do it again. So they won't have to be written up again. So they won't have to be disciplined again. And God does the same thing for us. Truth is also evil in a wicked society which is what's happening today. Why do you think the scriptures is coming under attack? Why do you think Jesus Christ is saying, well, I don't believe he existed and I don't believe this and I don't believe that. And, you know, you Christians are just big, you know, you're bigots and you're so judgmental and you're so this and you're so that because it's evil in that wicked society. Wickedness never, ever likes the truth. It says that in John one, that when Jesus Christ came, His own accepted him not because he was the light in the darkness. His own creation for the past thousands of years accepted him not. And what's happening today? The exact same thing 2,000 years later. They are accepting him not. Why? Because they want to live the way that they want to live. They say that they don't need the scriptures. They don't need the Bible to govern their moral conscience. Well, how do you have morality without God? How do you have morality without Jesus? We still get our rules and regulations based upon the Ten Commandments, even though they're even trying to change that. Why do you think they're taking the Ten Commandments out of everything? Because they don't want to feel guilty anymore for what the evil that they're doing. (laughs) All right, verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals. For within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land. And the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And the and to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to half of the tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua saying, Remember the words Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God had given you rest and hath given you his land, this land. Your wives and your little ones and your cattle shall remain 
in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them. Until the Lord gate have given your brethren rest, as he hath given you. And they also shall have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side, Jordan, toward the sunrising. And then answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commanded us, we will do. And whither the, and whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doeth that doth rebel against thy commandments and will not hearken unto thy words, in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. So here's another thing is that they could not also, they could not enjoy the land until all the people had gotten over. They took to arms and they were to help other people get over into the Jordan, or over into the promised land, and then they could rest. But you see the difference 40 years has made. These people are now saying all that thou commanded us to do, we will do. And if anyone rebels against these commandments, they will be put to death. 40 years ago, man, this would have been the other way around. People were talking about, what is thou, you know, that we should go back into the Egyptians? Or what is thou, that we should die at the hands of these giants? You had so much murmuring and complaining. Poor Moses. But these people today have totally changed their minds. They have totally changed their attitudes because these people, 40 years later, now they know how to trust in the living God. Now they're willing to go forward into the promised land. They're willing to take down the giants. This is a different kind of people that we are talking about now. They're strong. And he keeps saying, be strong and of a good courage. We are living in those days where we are really going to have to be strong and of a good courage. Because we're America is never going to be great again. America as a whole is never going to believe in God again. It is just a small minority. But I tell you what, with that remnant, God can fill us with his Holy Spirit. And when the last days are coming, things are going to happen through us. We never would have expected. But we have got to be strong and of a good courage. We are really going to have to trust and believe in the Lord because we're entering into a time like no other. All right. Let's go to Psalm 18 and verse 30. Thank you, Jesus. I want to give a testimony of myself because, you know, the Lord's still working on me six years later. And there's a lot of stuff he's had to remove out of my life in the past six years. And he's still working on me. And I remember when I first got saved, you know, I... Everything in my apartment that was against the scripture. I mean, I would spend hours in study time. You know, this is back before we were doing Bible studies. But I would spend Saturdays and Sundays, five, six hours in this word. I mean, I would study everything. Every video, you know, Derek would send me. I was watching every, you know, I was just watching and learning. I was comparing it to the world. I really wanted to see how the scriptures was, you know, lined up in modern day society. Because a lot of stuff I heard 
I didn't hear before. There's a lot of stuff. Spiritual warfare. What's that? Demons. What are those? You know, a lot of stuff I didn't know about. So I would spend hours upon hours reading and reading. And I hungered and I thirsted in the beginning. But, you know, over the course of time, and this is something that I believe that if you are, when you first get saved and the devil knows that you're on fire for the Lord, I don't think he's going to try and touch you then because you pretty much are going to be like, leave me alone, devil. I'm too busy. But a, a dangerous part in our walk with the Lord is when we start getting educated. And I'm not saying uh, you need to be an educated Christian. This is true. But at the same time, you also need to be educated and filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I have found in my life that the more I began to know, the more proud I started to become. And when that happened, it was like I started, I felt like at times I was too big for my spiritual britches. And I felt like I began to relax. Like I didn't hunger and desire the word as I used to. You know, I would spend five, six hours in study. I wouldn't go anywhere. You know, I was studying. I was uh, one day I realized, man, I don't I don't go anywhere. I'm just stuck inside studying. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. What I'm saying is, is that don't let the devil make you turn around and look what you're doing. Keep your eyes forward on the Lord, because when he does that, all of a sudden. That fire starts to dwindle. Now that you've been battling a few people, now that you've been talking to these people over here, and that's you, and it's so subtle. It is so subtle that the Lord has got to turn your head around. Don't let the devil turn your head around. Let the Lord turn your head around. But there came a point in my life where the, and this was recent too, this was just within the last year, that the Lord, when I started having a, a a spiritual battle in my life and I needed to deal with it that the Lord says, look at your track record over the past couple of years. You have lost your desire. You have lost the, the will to fight in this spiritual warfare. And I can't take you any further until you deal with this. And man, oh man, did it ever humble me. Man, oh man, did I get on my knees and pray. Man, oh man, was I terrified actually, because I was like, the Lord could have just let me die. And if I had, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone to heaven because of that. And he had to make, he turned me around and said, I don't want you to continue to go this way because the Lord was over here. And I started going this way. I started watching too many movies. I started doing this. I, you know, I wasn't going back to drinking or smoking. The devil doesn't have to get you back in the big things. As long as he can get you in those little things that'll keep you out of heaven. He's happy with that. If he can hang on to that little 10% that's not like Jesus, that's exactly what he will do. Because that means he still controls part of your life. And man, will it take the fire out of you when he does. I was so humbled by that when the Lord did that. I, I came under spiritual opposition because of it. I had demons cast out of me. I didn't even realize there were demons in me. I didn't even realize I had in me. And from that time forward, I will also say something else, too. I believe this to be true because I had come under, I was in a lot of pain, back pain, foot pain, you name it, pain. I had it pain in my life. <laughs> and it seemed like after I had these demons delivered out of my life, you want to know that almost 100% of my pain went away. Almost 100% of it went out of my life. So, yeah, I believe that there are 
pains that we can have in our life. They're spiritually related. Because of that, I mean, I felt like I had more energy than I used to. So, yeah, there's a lot of this stuff that is spiritually related. But what happens is we get relaxed from the battle. We start laying up. We start watching stuff, you know, and we start doing things that are not of the Lord. And we're start, you know, we realize we're not witnessing to people as much as we used to. We're not trying to give them our testimony. And then when people do talk to us, we're like, uh, so in Genesis 5, I think it says, you know, but this happens to us because what happens is we lost that fire. We lost that desire to walk after the Lord. And that can happen. I mean, there were times I felt so ashamed afterwards, like, man, and I wasn't reading my Bible as much either. I'm telling on myself tonight because I want to know, I want people to know that this can happen. I wasn't reading the word as much. That fire in my heart was not there. And the Lord had to show it to me. How can you be a great witness for me? How can you say you're following me when you're not? And so many people today, this is happening to them. And so it can't be a for a fair show of speech. None of this. We've got to stay on fire for the Lord. And if we're not, if we feel like that fire is going out of us, man, pray to the Lord. Lord, show me what's in my life that's keeping me from doing this because it is so, so subtle that the devil's going to do this to us. All right, Psalms 18. Let's look at verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? For who is the rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holden me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, that my feet did not slip. I have persuaded my in pursued mine enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn again till they were consumed. I have wounded them. That they were that they were not able to rise, they are fallen under my feet, for thou hast girded me with strength unto the battle, thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Now I want to stop here and make a point with this because we know that David was a mighty man, he was a great king, he was a man after God's own heart, and when David went out um and Derek just did a Bible study on uh this past Sunday. Uh, Saul's thousands and David's ten thousands. Now, when you guys get a chance, watch that if you've not done that already. But King David went out and he had his he had his mighty men with him, and man, they slew giants. You know, they were slaying the enemy and the God, and God always gave him the strength to do so. You know, and and he was saying this. But let's fast forward that to our own lives. You know, if we want the enemies in our own lives, and I'm not talking about physical enemies now, I'm talking about spiritual enemies. But if we want these enemies in our own life, the demons and, and whatever else is trying to take over us, then man, we've got to do it like this. We got to do it like David said, we need to do it, man. We have got to go to battle and to war with these demons until they are consumed. 
until they are under our feet, till they do no longer have the strength to get up. That when the demons look at us and they see us, well, they got the Holy Ghost, time to go away. And this is a battle even in my own life, you know, but when the demons see us, like when they saw Jesus, you know, what is that, what, what, what would thou do with us, son of the most high? Are you going to torment us before our time? You know, and so when the, the demons should not be seeing us because we're the vessels, they need to see the Holy Ghost in us because them demons can't do anything against the Holy Ghost. But if we're not even willing to get into this spiritual warfare, then the demons are sitting down and having tea and cake right with you as you're watching something on TV. You know, they're, because they're not a threat. We're not a threat to them. But when we become a threat to them, what's going to happen? Oh, man. When I decided to give up drinking and smoking, them demons were mad. They were infuriated over the fact that now all this fun. Wait a minute. We had all these fun for these this many years, and now all of a sudden you're going to give your life to some Jesus? No, man. Well, you're going to have to pay for this. So are they going to come after you? Yes. Is this a spiritual warfare? Yes. Do we have to be in this battle? Absolutely. But it needs to be like David's saying right here, because, man, David's saying that Jesus, he's our buckler. He's our strength. And we can subdue the enemies. Verse 40. That has also given me the neck of mine enemies, that I might destroy them that hate me. They cried, but there was none to save them, even unto the Lord. But he answered them not. Then did I then did I beat them small as the dust before the wind, and I was I did cast them out as the dirt in the streets. Thou hast delivered me from the strivings of the people, and thou hast made me the head of the heathen. A people whom I have not known shall serve me. As soon as there as soon as they hear of me, they shall obey me. The strangers shall submit themselves unto me. The strangers shall fade away and be afraid out of their close places. The Lord liveth, and blessed, blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God that, in, that avengeth me and subdueth the people under me. He delivereth me from mine enemies, yea, thou liftest me up. Above those that rise up against me, thou hast delivered me from the valiant man. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Great deliverance giveth he to his king, and sheweth mercy to his anointed, to David, and to his seed forevermore. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. This is a great point how you're talking about spiritual warfare, including David, because it's clear here that he's a type of Christ. But when you look at this too, I mean, when you read in verse 44, as soon as they hear of me, they shall obey me, and strangers shall submit themselves unto me. I love the point that you brought up, that these strangers here could also be demons. Mm -hmm. And then it talks about the strangers shall fade away and be afraid uh, out of their closed places. Because, you see, demons like to inhabit us. They like to be inside. But if we're full of God's spirit, and we become servants of the Lord, demons become servants of us. Mm -hmm. Not that they are, you know, serving us, but they are subject to us because of the righteousness and majesty of Jesus Christ. 
So this Amen. is great. This is a great point that you brought up. Amen. And another point I want to bring up to on this is because this may have actually been written prior uh, or after, you know, David sinned with Bathsheba. But we got to understand this is that if we put this into comparison, you know, when David was out to battle, when David was out doing the Lord's will, he wasn't sinning. It was only when he came back from the battle. It was That's only, true. yeah, it's only when he relaxed from the war that he saw Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop. And that is when he fell into sin. Now, she could have been up there bathing every single day. I don't think it was just him that sinned. I think she probably lured him into it to get him to sin. You know, sin is never a victimless crime. But at the same time, had he gone out to the battle, had he been doing what the Lord told him to do, this would have never have taken place. He wouldn't have had time to go onto the rooftop and see what she was doing. You know, there wouldn't have been room for that. There wouldn't have been room for it in the heart. And then what happened from there is that, in, you know, let's get one thing straight, is that David did repent. I'm not going to sit here and say that he sinned and he, you know, he didn't repent. He did. All right. And then the Lord made it right with him. But the sword never left his house. He was going to face torment in his family from that time forward. But he did eventually repent of what he did. He was very sorry for it. You know, God loved him. So he had to judge him for what he did because he did love him. But understand this is that in our own personal lives, the things, the same things can happen. You know, when we're doing battle for the Lord, we're in this spiritual warfare, we're reading our scriptures, we're talking to people, we're, you know, we're letting people know about the wickedness and the evil that's coming in this day. When our minds are focused on Jesus Christ, we're not going to be focused on sin. We're not going to be focused on how hot that guy looks or how beautiful that woman looks. We're not going to be focused on perverseness. We're not going to be focused on all these sinful shows that are out in this world today. That not none of that will be in our hearts. None of that will be in our minds because when it comes to this TV programming that's on the airwaves today, all TV shows are perverse today. All TV shows show everything today. All TV shows have some sort of homosexuality into in it today. All movies, same thing. We have got to guard our eyes and our minds as to what we put before us today because there's so much wickedness in the world today. And it really does hinder us to be in the spiritual warfare. We can't tell someone you shouldn't watch that movie when we just got done watching it. You know, we can't we can't do that to people. And it really does take away our thirst and our hunger and our desire to want to serve the Lord. Y'all know what I'm talking about when you're fasting and you're praying and you're reading the word, how bold you feel, how, you know, like nothing can break through to your mind. People start talking to you about certain things and, you know, you're giving them the scriptures and you're telling them about this, that and the other. But when we're not that way, all of a sudden we're like, well, you know, <laughs> I'm not one to judge, but I really don't, you know, I don't participate in Halloween. But, you know, I, if you want to go trick or treating, by all means, you know, take your kids. No, man, you tell them, no, it's wicked. It's satanic. It's not of the Lord. You know how wicked it is? You know what these witches are doing? Child sacrifice. You're giving it to people. They, not, they may not want to hear it, but you're willing to stand for the truth. You're willing to stand on the scripture. There is no compromise. And no, you cannot Christianize these holidays. All right. So, but that's just one thing we got to realize is that when we relax and, and, you know, we don't want to go forward. And does the Lord give us a rest period at times? Of course he does. 
but it's not for the next year. It's not for the next six months. You know, that rest period could be for us to fast, to, to get closed in with the Lord and to read his word. All right. So from here, let's go to Psalms. Um, actually, let's go to Zechariah chapter four. Zechariah chapter four and verse one. Yeah, let's go to Zechariah chapter 4 and 1. <clears throat> and after this one, no, I'm going to read the article in a minute. So we'll just do Zechariah 4 and 1. And the angel that talked with me came again and, and waked me as a man that is waking out of his sleep. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked and behold a candlestick and a, all of gold. With a bowl upon the top of it, and even seven lamps therein, and seven pipes in the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one on the run upon the right side of the bowl, the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my lord? And the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace, unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it, and thou shalt, all, thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. For who shall despise? For who hath despised the day of the small things? For they shall rejoice, and shall be the plummet in the hands of Zerubbabel. With those seven, they are the eyes of the Lord, which run to and fro through the whole earth. So now this is an angel speaking with Zechariah, and he's talking to him about what Zerubbabel was doing. Now Zerubbabel, and we're actually going to read this in Ezra. We're going we're gonna to go to Ezra in a minute and to find out what was going on. But Zerubbabel was actually one of the individuals in, involved in rebuilding the temple in the book of Ezra. And this is actually something somewhat of a persecution or we will actually find out in our own lives. When we're trying to serve the Lord. We're going out. And we're helping people. We're talking to them about Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, you're going to have some people coming up to you. Who are you? And by what authority? As I said, and you know, like in, in the New Testament, by what authority? Who are you and what authority do you have to be doing this? And by the way, what are the name of the other people here so we can write it down and we're going to send it in to the mayor. and We're actually going to request the foreign to make sure that it's OK for you to do this. And you're just out there preaching the gospel. But these individuals actually came under attack by these men, by this governor for rebuilding the temple. And we're actually going to read. Let's go to Ezra because I find it quite interesting here. Because these are things that we're actually going to we're going to find out. 
Um, these things are actually going to happen to us in our own life. We're actually out. We're preaching the gospel. We're handing out food. And, you know, all of a sudden you got people come up to you. Who are you? Why are you out here? Why are you doing this? You know, on whose authority are you supposed to be out here? Who sent you here? You know, do you have a permit to be on this street corner? You know, is this food of the FD, whatever? Yeah, is this food FDA approved? Is this happening? Is that happening? And you're not doing anything wrong. But we're going to come against these oppositions in our life. <clears throat> All right. Ezra 5 and verse 1. Right. Then the prophets Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Idio, Idu, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel, even unto them. Then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Shelthiel, and Jeshua, the son of Zodak, and begun to build the house of God in, that is in Jerusalem. And with them were the prophets of God helping them. At the same time came to them Tatnai, governor, on this side of the river, and Shethra Bozini, and their Boznai, thank you, and their companies, and said thus unto them, Who hath commanded you to build this house, and to make up the walls? Then said we unto them after this manner, What are the names of the men that make this building? But the eyes of their God was upon the elders of the Jews, that they should not, that they could not cease them, that they could not cause them to cease, till the matter came to Darius. And then they returned answer by letter concerning this matter. So even though they were trying to threaten them and trying to say, who are you? You know, who told you to build this? And what are the names of the people going on so we can give it to Darius? You know. So that way we can let him know all this is going on. They still couldn't stop them. The children of Israel still continued to build the temple of the Lord. They didn't just say, they didn't just put their you know hammers down and stop from working and say, oh well, you know he is the governor, and what the governor said, you know if he's if he's saying that who are we and you know who are we anyways? Uh, I'm just, my name's Joe and this is Bob over here. And we're just, you know, individuals and we're just doing this work. But if you don't want us to continue to go on, then, you know, maybe we should stop. You know, there are a lot of church folk doing that today. Someone comes up to them. Why are you doing this? And who are you? And why are you here? Well, we're with this such and such church over here. But if you want us to stop, no, you a church folk at that person. Because a real Christian say is going to tell them, I am a you know, son or daughter of the Most High Jesus Christ. And he's commanded me to come out here and preach the gospel. By the way, are you saved? You know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. We're going to try and talk to the people that are getting us to stop about Jesus Christ. That's how you know you have a relationship at that point with him. That's true. All right. Um, Verse 6, the copy of the letter that Tatnai, governor, on this side of the river, and she, she's our Bosnii, and his company, companies, the Afarsachites, which were on this side of the river, sent to Darius the king. 
They sent a letter unto him, wherein was it written thus, Unto Darius the king, all peace. Be it known unto the king that we went into this providence of Judea, to the house of the great God, which is builded with great stones and timbers is laid in the walls. And this work goeth on fast and prospereth in their hands. Then asked we those elders and said unto them, and said unto them thus, Who commanded you to build this house and to make up these walls? We asked their names also to certify thee that we might write to the write the names of the men that were with the chief of them. And thus they returned us answer, saying, We are the servants of God of heaven and earth, and build the house that was builded these many years ago, which a great king of Israel builded and set up. But after that our fathers had provoked God of heaven unto wrath, he gave them into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldeans who destroyed this house and carried the people away into Babylon. But in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, the same king Cyrus made a decree to build this house of God. So God had already set up in King Cyrus afterwards that he was going to allow, once the children of Israel came out of captivity, he was going to allow them to rebuild this house. So God used Cyrus in this manner because all these years later, when it was coming under Governor Titna and, and Darius, he was going to be able to see what had happened, why this happened. And we're actually going to see this because God uses people in advance in our lives. Sometimes that way, when a future event happens, those same people, we're going to, you know, God uses them to maybe get us out of certain situations. So, you know, not to say that we're not going to, I'm not saying situations, bad situations, but let's say someone comes up against us. You know, you got a supervisor at work that becomes a Christian and someone may go complain to the, the Christian supervisor, you know, and it's like all of a sudden we're going to have protection with that. So let's keep reading here. And the vessels also of gold and silver of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that was in Jerusalem and brought them into the temple of Babylon. Those did Cyrus the king take out of the temple of Babylon and they were delivered unto one. Who was, whose name was Sheshbazar, 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 whom he had made governor, and said unto him, Take these vessels, go, carry them into the temple that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be built in this place. Then came the same Sheshbazar, and laid the foundation of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And since that time until now hath it been building, in building, and yet it is not finished. Now therefore, if it seem good to the king, let there be a search made in the king's treasure house, which is, it, which is there at Babylon, whether it be so, that a decree was made of Cyrus the king to build this house of God at Jerusalem, and let the king send his pleasure to us concerning this matter. So Tatnai at this point, he's sending this letter to Darius saying all these things, and he's he's saying he's one up the children of Israel. He's saying, Well, when this gets to Darius and he goes and looks all this stuff up, you guys are really gonna get it. You're gonna have to stop all this building. But we have to understand this is that the children were under God's protection. 
because he had already worked with King Cyrus that these years later, when they were going to come to this persecution, because we got to understand that God sees the beginning from the end. Did God already know that this governor was going to come to them and ask them these questions and try and, you know, you know, raise up on it, try and intimidate them a little bit? Of course he did. But what happened? The children of Israel and Zerubbabel trusted in God to continue to build no matter who came against them. And that's exactly how it has to be in our life. All right, chapter 6 and verse 1. Then Darius, the king, made a decree, and search was made in the house of the rolls, where the treasure were laid, where the treasures were laid up in Babylon. And there was found at Acmetha in the palace that that is in the providence of the Medes, a roll, and therein was a record thus written. In the first year of Cyrus, the king, the same Cyrus, the king, made a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be builded, the place where they offered sacrifices, and, the, and let the foundation thereof be strongly laid, the height thereof threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof threescore cubits, with three rows of great stones, and a row of new timber, and let the expenses be given out of the king's house, and also let the golden and the golden and the silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took forth out of the temple, which is at Jerusalem, and brought unto Babylon, be restored and brought again unto the temple, which is at Jerusalem. Every one to his place, and place them in the house of God. Now therefore, Tatnai, governor beyond the river, and Shethar, Bosnii, and your companies, the companions, the Afra. Ephrathites, which are beyond the river, be ye far from thence. Let the work of the house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build the house of God in this place. Moreover, I make a decree what ye shall do to the elders of the Jews for the building of this house of God, that of the king's goods, even of the tribute money, even of the tribute beyond the river, forthwith. Expenses be given unto these men that they be not hindered. So after Darius had found the decree <laughs> that Cyrus had already put up, saying, "Let them be rebuilded," Darius told Tatnai, "Leave them alone. They need, you know, Cyrus has already put this up. You're not going to hinder it. You're going to let them continue to build this house, and also at the same time, you're going to pay these people out of the out of the Babylon Babylonian treasure. You're going to pay these elders." To continue building. So if we stand for Jesus Christ in these last days, you know, if we keep preaching the gospel, he is going to show us favor. He is going to put people in our lives that may be in positions of authority to say, let these people alone. That's let right. them preach the gospel yeah. for this time. That's right. Verse 9. And that which they need, of uh, both young bullocks and rams and lambs, for the burnt offerings of the God of heaven, Wheat, salt, wine, and oil, according to the appointments, appointment of the priests, which are at Jerusalem, let it be given them day by day without fail, that they may offer sacrifices of sweet savors unto the God of heaven, and pray for the life of the king and of his sons. Also, I have made a decree that whosoever shall alter this 
work. Let timber be pulled down from his house, and being set up, let him be hanged thereon, and let his house be made a dunghill for this. So Deriah wasn't playing. <laughs> if anyone was to come against this word, this work that's being done, or this word, man, pluck a you know a timber out of his house and hang him by the neck, and let his house be made a dunghill. So, I mean, King Darius was, he was following the decree that had been made. He was like, let these people alone. Let them do what they're doing. And, you know, God's even going to show that to us because I'm not saying that people are going to get hanged for it. But when people come against us, when people rail against the word of God, all of a sudden things may start happening in, start happening in their life. You know, their life may be going into the shams. You don't want to touch God's anointed. Am I threatening people? No, I'm not threatening anybody. I'm just saying what has happened to people when people are out there preaching the word of God and things have happened to other people's life because they didn't want to get it right. They didn't want to give their lives to the Lord. God gives us grace. He gives us all grace for a moment in time that we get our lives right with him. But you know what? That grace can run out. And that's what he's showing people. Don't let your grace run out before your life ends. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> this is actually an article that my friend, uh, one of my friends sent me earlier today. And this is uh, Alabama students ignore the atheist. Um, I guess is organization threat. Stand up and recite the Lord's Prayer before a football game. When the Wisconsin-based Freedom from Religion Foundation, FFRF, Alabama, forced their school district to replace its traditional pregame prayer with a moment of silence, a group of students from Oblica High School in Alabama rose up and recited the Lord's Prayer in a moment of holy defiance. It began when the Oblica City Schools Board of Education received a letter from the FFRF in which the nonprofit used its interpretation of the First Amendment to threaten the school's board with legal action if any of its staff, especially football coaches, continued to sponsor or encourage Christian prayer before football games or if any of its school events or at any of its school events, according to the activist mommy. FFRF attorney Christopher Line said in the letter that a parent felt alienated enough by the prayer that he wanted to move their children out of the district. The Supreme Court has specifically struck down um, invocations giving, given uh, over the loudspeaker at the public school athletic events even when student-led, said Line, after stating that it is illegal for students in a public school to pray at a school athletic event. Responding, Oplica High School, like many, many districts, agreed to drop the prayer and replace it with a moment of silence. We recognize that the United States of America is a nation of laws, and we will abide by the current laws, uh, stated O.C., as uh, Superintendent Mark Neighbors. Our students are allowed to pray, but for our coaches, 
but our coaches are not allowed to participate. However, on September 13th, at the beginning of a high school, of a school's football match, Oplica students refused to be silenced and stood up and recited the Lord's Prayer. It is unsure if the FFRF will formally retaliate with legal action, but many have been have been siding with the students and called them brave. So, you know, I'm, yeah, exactly. And I'm grateful that these students are doing this. I'm grateful that even in a public school, and this is Alabama's deep side, and it's even affecting these, these states, these, you know, so-called Bible Belt states. But I am so thankful and I'm so grateful that you still got a generation of students today in a wicked society that are willing to stand up and say, I won't be silent. And I am going to praise the Lord, even if legal action comes against them or their parents. They are willing to stand up. And what what happened? You had people starting to side with them. You had people starting calling them calling them brave because they would not be silent. I mean, these are these are students. We're starting to see it today. You're starting to see it, and other people are that you got a generation now with all this wickedness. You still have some kids today willing to stand up. And serve the Lord and not be silent. Definitely a new generation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right, let's go to Second Thessalonians three and verse one. And we gotta pray for these kids today, y'all. We do because man, these kids are coming into a wicked society. You know, they're not even given the the opportunity to understand what wickedness is. They're just born into it. Exactly. Amen. Amen. That's right. They are the next generation. And you got a lot of kids today. I mean, I remember when I was a kid. I mean, we I was raised in North Carolina in the Bible Belt. We had the church on every street corner. And but even the kids that really didn't believe knew who Jesus Christ was. They knew who God was. But now, because Unfortunately, we as Christians as a whole have decided to become, you know, put a welcome sign on me and put me out by the front door and just wipe your feet on me. We've become a doormat. Now you got kids today, they don't even know who Jesus Christ is. They have no idea who Jesus You ask them, who's Jesus Christ? I don't know. You know the Bible is? No. He's like the Easter Bunny, like some joke. Mm -hmm. He's not even real. Exactly. Even though there's plenty of evidence to support Jesus' prayer. Mm -hmm. But you got this generation coming up today that does not even know who he is because the parents, the parents may know who he is, but they're too busy in their cell phones. They're too busy about themselves to worry or to concern themselves about their child's welfare and where they're going and what their lives are going to turn out. Is it on Second Thessalonians three or first? Second, that's uh, Second Thessalonians three and one. <clears throat> Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that you do both, that you both do and will do the things which we commanded you. And the Lord direct your hearts in the love of God, 
and into the patient waiting for Christ. Now we command you, brethren, in the, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the traditions which he have received of us. Now, why is he saying this? Why is Paul saying he wants us to depart from every brother that does, that does not walk according to what he's commanded of us? It's not Paul talking about himself. It's not Paul saying, I want you to follow after me. Paul wants us to follow after Jesus Christ that's in him. And that's what Paul wants us to do. But if we've got individuals in the crowd that are walking disorderly, we got people in the crowd that have some sort of ulterior motive or ulterior agenda, or ulterior well, agenda. If you've got someone that's underhanded or sneaky that's trying to actually teach people the wrong gospel and actually, you know, say, you need to follow after me, then you need to separate. We got to separate ourselves from those people. Why? Because they can hinder us in our Christian walk. Let's say, for instance, you've got people coming in and they're new. They're new believers in Jesus Christ, and they're learning the scriptures for the very, very first time. Let's say that they've never had any kind of biblical upbringing in their entire life, and this is all new to them. Well, if you got individuals in the crowd that are selfish, that their only motive is to get people to follow after them, and kind of like a look at me kind of personality, and only I know the Bible correctly, and you've got to listen to me and what my interpretations are, then that new person can actually be taken away. Dissimulation is what it's called. And then you're going to have striving within the mix because now that new person, even, you know, they're wanting, they're hungry and they're thirsty. Now they're going to be confused by this other individual that's in here saying, well, you know, I know that in my life and in my Christian walk and what the Lord has done for me, there's a whole lot of me, myself, and I involved in this person. So if you got a new Christian that's coming in, and they're just learning about the Lord. If you've got a person that's very selfish and only after their own vainglory, that new person could very well be easily taken away by that other person. You know, they're not in it that that person stays safe. They're not in it that that person find their own walk with the Lord and, and be separated from the sin of this life. And to be able to go out and, you know, to help others because of the experience that they've made. They've got no intention. That that person follow only after Jesus Christ. They want that person to follow after them because that is their whole goal in life. So we've got to, you know, that's why I'm saying separate yourself from these people. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we have behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow after us. So if we're in this Christian walk, and we got people coming in, how are they going to know how to walk after Jesus Christ if we're not walking after Jesus Christ? If we're not actually, you know, if we're going to say, hey, we're going to go out and help the homeless and this is all, you know, this is everything that we're going to do. <clears throat> if we're not actually going out and getting the food, you know, the Lord blesses, obviously, but if we're not out getting the food, getting the water, getting the clothes, doing all this stuff, how are other people going to know? If we're not actually out in the hot and the cold talking to people on the streets, how are people going to know how to do it? 
That's what Paul's saying. He's like, I'll work diligently night and day, so I would not be chargeable to any man. Paul just didn't kick back. <sighs> Where's some bread? No, he never did that. He was in there night and day diligently working with his hands. Verse 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if anyone would not work, neither shall he eat, should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now, a busybody is someone that just goes around. They're always in somebody else's affairs. They're always trying to figure out who's doing what, when, where, and how. And they want to gossip about people. That is all that they're concerned with. It's just, oh, well, I heard that I saw Derek over at such and such, and he was doing this and blah, blah, blah. And, well, it's like, well, did you see Derek doing this? No, but this person over here said they saw him doing this, that, and the other. It's like, well, how do you know then? Could have been a different bald black man. It may not have even been him. <laughs> but that's what busybody is all about. Your rumors, you're spreading lies. You don't know what the truth is. And if we're not grounded and rooted in Jesus Christ and following after his word and in the spiritual warfare, we can be busybodies in other men's affairs, even though the scripture says don't be that way. That can happen to us. Verse 12. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. So in other words, don't let these people frustrate us. We cannot get weary in well-doing with other people. We pray for people. We talk to them. But if they're doing their own thing, if they want to be busybody, busybodies, we cannot let that weary down our own walk with the Lord. Verse 14. If any man obey not our word by this apostle, obey, yeah, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So when it's saying don't have any company with him so he'd be ashamed, you know, we can't afford to be like what that person's doing. We can't afford to be a busybody. We can't afford to get involved in what they're doing because it's not of the Lord. It's not of the scriptures. So the Lord may actually tell us, I want you to separate from that person. Because if you continue to be around them, they may actually tear down your Christian walk. So separate yourself from them. Pray for them. Let the Lord work in their life that they will come back and say, you know what? What I did was wrong. I owe you an apology. I shouldn't have said what I said to you. I got wrapped up in what in my own feelings and my, my own emotions. I was not walking with the Lord. I ask the Lord to forgive me. I need you for you to forgive me. I've got to get into this spiritual warfare. That way they will change their life and turn around and fall after the Lord. But we cannot afford to go that direction too. Don't try and hold on to friendships simply because you don't want to offend somebody. Because if we are to do that, man, they could drag us down too. And then you both go down into the pit. No, we've got to be willing to help these brothers and sisters in the Lord to tell them, hey, you know what? You're not, I, according to the scriptures, this is what the scripture says. And how your life you're living right now is not right according to the Lord. They may get offended. They get they may get mad, may get upset, shut the door in your face. Hey, at least you tell them the truth. At least you said to them what you needed to say to them. And maybe they'll get it right after that. All right. Ephesians 3 and verse 14. Last scripture of the night. 
And this Bible says you're going to be a little short tonight. Ephesians <laughs> 3 and 13. 14. 3, yeah. Short, sweet, and to the point. <laughs> All right, verse 14. For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family is in heaven and earth is named, that we would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye be that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So the, the love of Christ here passes all knowledge. And we know this in our own lives when we really and truly have Jesus Christ in our lives and we're standing for the scriptures. There's a lot of people today that don't understand it. They don't understand the joy and the peace that we can have. And, you know, you may lose your house, you may lose your finances, you may lose your family, you may lose everything, and you can still have joy and peace in your life because you have Jesus Christ, and we know that he's going to take care of every single need. You got all people out there, man, how can, you, how can you believe in that? How can you trust in that? Because I've seen it happen in my own life. But if they don't understand it and if they don't have a love of Jesus Christ in their own life, then we're going to look crazy to them because what it's saying right here is it passes all knowledge. So people that don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ and they don't understand what it is, they're not going to seek it because it passes their level of understanding. It passes their level of knowledge. It passes all of that. So they have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ with themselves to see this. Now unto him. That is able to do exceedingly, exceedingly, exceeding abundant, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. So what Paul is saying here, too, is that it does take place in the inner man. All right, so I know it's kind of short tonight, but that's the lesson for tonight. But we got to understand if we truly, truly want to walk with the Lord, if we truly want to get into this spiritual, you know, warfare, we got to understand that there are going to be battles at times. And we need to know that we've got to have these battles in our life. We have got to have these trials and tribulations in our life. And we're going to go through it at times. We're going to have people that we thought were cool with. They're going to, you know, they're going to end up backing out of our lives. They're going to end up saying some stuff about us that we never thought possible. But know this, know this. If every single person was to walk out of your life, if you truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are never alone. I tell you what, guys, tonight, I've never felt more joy, more peace, more humbleness in my life than when I had that relationship with Jesus Christ six years ago. And I thank you, Jesus, for the work you are continuing to work on me today. Because had he not stopped me six years ago, I wouldn't be here today. I'd either be a prostitute, be in jail, or be dead. Those were three guarantees and in hell. Four guarantees in my life six years ago. But I thank the Lord that he, he came to me right where I was at that day. But I had to make a choice. 
I had to make a decision to give it all up and follow Jesus. And I'm so grateful, so glad, and so humbled that I did. Thank you, Jesus. So if there's nothing else, we're going to pray out. I pray that this message was a blessing to you guys tonight. Um, and I pray that the Lord's words were spoken. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for this time of sharing. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for our brothers and sisters near and far. And we just ask in Jesus' name, Lord, that your words be heard. We ask, Lord, that you show us that our only true purpose is to get filled with you and to do your will. And if we have become Christians for any other reason, Lord, then I just pray, Lord, that you open our eyes and I open our minds and our hearts that we are entering into the biggest battle, Lord, in history, that this is an ongoing war from the beginning of time. And Lord, all you want to do is forge soldiers and vessels fit for the master's use. So I just pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that we lay aside every weight, every unrighteous thing, every idol, every attitude, Lord, every part of the flesh from the old man that, Lord, you want to destroy, that we may die out to self, that the new man who was in Christ Jesus can come forward and have his will done. And Lord, I thank you again, Lord, for my sister Tara and her brother Randy. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you heal them. Lord, I thank you for my sister Dawn and her husband, Randy. Lord, that you watch over and guide them. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you watch over brother Michael Adams and his MS. I thank you for Pastor Price, Sister Barbara, the whole Omega Ministries team. Lord, that you continue to guide them and give them insight, Lord, and that leadership, Lord, that you have called, that we may get a job done for you in the last days. And I just pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you watch over my dad with the tumor on his eye that's dissolving. I pray, Lord, that you keep the pressure up, Lord. I thank you for all the brothers and sisters, Sister Teresa in Texas, Sister Shadante, Sister Tatiana, you know, Brother Timotheus, Brother Rock T, Brother Greg. So many, Lord, so many that are out there in the fight, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you give them the strength to endure, to continue, that you forge and amalgamate a great army, Lord, one that will obey you, one that is called, chosen, and faithful, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that we yield all things unto you, that we may be full of you, that we may obey you and serve you. And Lord, we just pray and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Also guys, um, this is the Organic Gospel by uh, Gary Price and Maisha Hunter. Uh, it's a good book to read. You can get it at, uh, what is it, Omega Ministries? Uh, website, website. www.theorganicgospel.net. It's $13.95. All right, so get this, because the gospel, our way of life with the Lord, is, a, is organic. So um, I want to say thanks, everyone. Sister LaToya, Sister Naima, uh, Sister Nina, uh, who else? Teresa in Texas, Brother Randy. Um, who Sister else? Sister Yeah, Sister Dawn. Um, I'm not sure if I missed anyone. Well, thank you guys for listening in. God bless you. Um, Tara and her husband, Randy, Mike. So I want to thank you guys. And 
Don't forsake your prayer closets, as I said every week. Get close to the Lord. Draw closer to the Lord in these last days that we're in, guys, because we're getting ready to go into spiritual warfare like no other. So until Sunday, you guys have a good night. Love you all. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.